0: Grab your popcorn and snacks, find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Good afternoon, good evening everybody, because it's evening in different places, right? Anyway, uh, my name is Charlotte. It's California Haunts Radio. I'm going to be your host for the next hour or so. And we've got a great show. This thing is just, okay, and we've got a great show for you tonight. Um, I'm also, let me introduce myself first, because I'm also the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team based out of Sacramento, California. We're 45 strong up and down the state, and that means no matter where you're at, we can get to you. It might take us an hour or so to get to you, but uh, we will definitely get to you. Anyhow, my guest tonight... um, Richard Martini, I've been waiting to get him on for a while, and uh, the reason being is that a while back, and I don't know if you guys remember, and I don't remember because I'm senile, you know how senile I am, hi Athena, Uh, because I, you know, know, V8 moment, I had a psychic on who channeled the Divine Council, and it was an interesting channeling session to watch, and Mr. Martini actually has had experiences with the Divine Council as well. So I'm eager to ask him questions about about that council. He has also worked with a psychic, our medium, who has channeled celebrities. So we'll see if we can get some tidbits about that. But anyway, um, as I said, I'm the owner of the California Haunts Printerment Investigation Team. And we also have affiliates out in Oregon, Washington, Nevada, and Hawaii. So, yeah. So welcome. And uh, if you're watching from Facebook, please be sure to hit that. If you like what you see, please be sure to hit that like button. And that follow button, if you're watching from YouTube, there we go, right? That bottom right-hand corner right there on your screen, there is a little ghost with a magnifying glass, and that is our mascot. And he, if you click on that mascot, it, the subscribe button will come up because we're looking for subscribers. We're two subscribers away from a major milestone for us. So if you could help me out with that, that'd be great. And plus, you know, hit the like button if you like what you hear. So today we're gonna, like I said, we're gonna be talking about with Rich, with Richard Martini, and he has also produced a lot of some videos and some other things relating to the afterlife. He's done a lot of research in the afterlife. So I'm really excited to have him on. So without further ado. Hey! Charlotte! Hot dog.
1: I just like that intro. How are you doing? Really
0: cool.
1: I'm so glad to be on your show, and I'm gonna throw Santa off the air.
0: <laughs> Sorry,
1: Santa. It happens. You're
0: my, you're my kind of guy. I like you. I've been waiting to get you on for a long time because um, I don't remember who what the I psychic did? was that came on my show, but she actually claimed, I'm saying claimed, right? Because we're skeptical here, too. That she actually cha- you know, claimed to channel the um, Divine Council members, and she did it very on the cool. air for me.
1: That's very cool. You know, there's only six of them, and they all live in Schenectady. It's really hard to get them all in one crowd. Or, no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I want to warn your listeners before we begin. I do have a nasty cough that I've had for about uh, 10 days. I okay. went to the doctor today. So if I turn away and start coughing ridiculously, I apologize. But And it could also be somebody on the flip side trying to tell me not to say whatever it is I'm talking about.
0: That's it. That, I'm going to try to stop you well. Anyway. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, it's it's a fascinating topic, divine councils. I mean, when it, when I first came upon the topic, it was uh, in Michael Newton's work. So Michael Newton was a hypnotherapist who did, uh, according to his institute, seven thousand different sessions alone. You know, pretty much to himself, mm-hmm. um, and went in the course of cataloging all those, he started talking about these. He called them the Council of Elders. You know, of course, that implies like old people, right? Right, right. Because you're, you're going to see like bald people or, you know, people with long hair or whatever. So when I started uh, filming people doing that, and that's what I'm a filmmaker. And so I started sure. filming people back in, I think, 2008. And I had a 100 different people do these sessions Michael, with Michael Newton, trained hypnotherapist, but with also hip, other hypnotherapists from around mm-hmm. the country. And they were all saying almost, you know, almost all of them. If they got there, their guide would take them in to meet with their council. Let's just call it that. Right. And the reason I pulled divine, I put divine councils on the title of the new book, uh, "Divine Councils in the Afterlife." There it is, plugged um, <laughs> The reason I put it in there, and it also says the flip side court, which is because that is the common misconception that. There's some kind of a courtroom that we have to go into at the end of our life. And if you think about that for a second, hmm, people are reporting courtrooms. What's that about? Is that just a product of an overactive imagination? Mm -hmm. Is that a product of people thinking about courtrooms? Or is it the other way around? Is it possible that courtrooms on the planet actually come from somebody else coming up with that idea off the planet? because people will say, Oh, I, I saw this person, you know, wearing a robe.
0: Mm-hmm. And then
1: you ask them, so what color's the robe? And it's always different. Sometimes it's white, sometimes it's purple, sometimes it's blue, sometimes it's black, sometimes it's not a robe. And sometimes I'll ask them, so well, here's what I learned in the research: is that you're filming people doing a hypnotherapy session, it's like four to six hours. Those hundred people that I filmed, I don't say anything. I'm sitting on the other side of the room with a camera. I'm filming them. The hypnotherapist is asking them questions. And so I might go over and hand them a note, you know, ask this. But in general, I don't ask any questions. And then suddenly, somewhere along the line, a friend of mine asked me about what I was doing. Rich, you know, you're not making films anymore. What are you doing? Well, I've been filming people under hypnosis. Very interesting. And he said, well, describe it to me. And within a few minutes, he was talking to somebody on the other side that he was recalling a lifetime that he had and he was in tears Mm -hmm. and I was thinking to myself wow you know if he's making it up why would he make up this really traumatic event and plus the reaction was so dramatic so I started to realize that I could shorten the process you know it's a four to six hour session with a Mm -hmm. with a good hypnotherapist where they're really accessing diving in and I realized hey, why why go through all that four hours of prep? Let's just skip down. Who can we talk to? Can we talk to your guide? If we can talk to your guide, can we talk to your counsel? And then um, actually uh, this past summer, I was having lunch with a filmmaker who had done a session with me, a hypnotherapy session, a total skeptic, mm-hmm. total atheist skeptic scientist who had heard me talking about this research and said, I don't believe a word of what you're saying. And I said, okay, well then let's try it. Let's just see. And she was like, okay, fine. So we drove out to this hypnotherapist's office in Claremont, Scott DeTamble. And in 15 minutes, she was talking about a previous lifetime that I could find mm-hmm. online within a few seconds. So, wow. but during the course of her session she didn't talk to her counsel but she talked to a lot of other really interesting individuals. So now here we are having lunch about four or five months ago. And I say, uh what do you remember?" And she's like, "I don't remember most of it. It seems like a vague memory. You see, thank God I film it, you know, and I transcribed uh-huh. it. Um I said, "Well, do you want to see if we can go back and talk to somebody?" She's like, "What? You know, put her fork down. Um so within a few minutes, we were talking to her guide, and and I just said, point blank, can we go talk to her counsel?" And the guide said, Yes, Rich, we've been waiting for you. That's what she said. She said, it's weird. He's saying to me,
0: (laughs) he's been waiting
1: for me to ask. All right, fine. You know, that could be true. It could be false. Could she have made it up? I don't know, right? right? So I'm just going with what I'm recording. And the next thing I know, we're in with her counsel. And councils are anywhere roughly from three to 15 people. That's what you see. There might be more, but they're not there. And the reason they're not there, because I ask, where's everybody else? They'll say it's not the right time to introduce this person to that individual. Or they're busy working on another council. They all work on, and I asked so this is what I realized. I could ask council members, who are you? Where are you from? Is this your full-time gig? Did you, did you work on other councils? Um, why do you appear this way? Why do you appear old and what i've learned with doing i think a hundred of these without hypnosis
0: mm-hmm.
1: I've, I've learned that people's councils the most unusual people on their account they could be children they could be grandparents they could be people not from the planet and that has happened so many times where i'm in the book divine councils mm-hmm. Uh, I, I call it that because it's divinecouncils.com. You can see it. I interviewed the scientist from Harvard who had never done one of these sessions before. Didn't know didn't know anything about my research, but he agreed to participate in this guided meditation. And in a few minutes, he's talking to someone who looks like an alien. And he's saying, you know, this is really strange. I've never seen anything like this, but, you know, this is a, Definitely like, and I think it was like an, not a lizard type person, more of an insect. Mm -hmm. That's what he's describing. And so what I do is I then shift the conversation to the council member and I'll ask, can you tell us about where you come from? Like, where do you normally incarnate? Has this individual ever incarnated on your planet? And those answers are fantastically unusual because... Here I am. Again, the construct is I'm just, it's like I'm talking to you, right? I'm drinking coffee, whatever. This person's wide awake. Maybe their eyes are closed, but they're saying, here's what I'm seeing. And this is what I'm hearing. Now, any logical person would say to you, well, you know, based on that person's upbringing, what country are they from? What's their belief system? What religion they are? That's what they're going to see. That's what you would hear, right? Mm -hmm. That's what most people would say that's not the case in the data what's in the data is that they say the exact same things about the same hallmarks so they meet a council and divine council the only reason i call it that is because if you look up divine council in wikipedia you'll see that every religion every philosophy in the world has some version of that within their mythology zeus and his divine council doesn't matter, any religion. So you got to really wonder like, which came first? Mm-hmm. The idea of somebody, you know, if you go you go back to Plato, Plato talks about a guy, a soldier who had a near-death experience and he was dead for 10 days, according to Plato. Mm-hmm. And when he came back, he talked about, oh, I went, you know, I had this incredible adventure. And I saw these things. I had this experience. Sometimes people who have near-death experiences, which by the way, unlike what I'm doing, which is very non-scientific,
0: mm-hmm.
1: even though I'm talking about it like it's science, right. near-death experiences have been studied by science. Dr. Grayson at the University of Virginia, thousands of cases. And within that literature, you'll find people talking about having a life review in front of a group of elders or wise beings. And So it's all I'm doing is I'm skipping down for the near, you don't have to have the death experience. Mm -hmm. I'm just going right to the council and saying, okay, what's up? What's wrong with this person? What do they need to fix? If anything, is there something wrong? Look, they've been watching over us. I just skip down. They've been watching over us for all of our lifetimes. So they know Charlotte. They know your journey. They know what you've been up to. You know, it's like Santa. It's like right? Santa.
0: Just thinking that, yeah.
1: <laughs> Santa, keeping an eye on you. I mean, it is one of those questions people ask me all the time. Are they watching me now? <laughs> well, you gotta then think about yourself from the perspective of being off stage. Mm-hmm. You know, once you're off stage and you're looking back on stage, there's only so many things people do on stage that you're really interested in. Right. Oh, really? You're gonna pick your nose again. All right, great. Like as if they care, you know. Right. <laughs> plus they can fly they say that they can travel all you know through these different universes and they can see all these different amazing things so the idea of going to visit a council i was going to say near-death experiences are a good example um and one that comes to mind is david bennett who wrote a book called voyage of purpose he appears in my film hacking the afterlife which is on Gaia, uh, hacking the um, and I, I had him tell this story. Now, he was studied at University of Virginia in their lab because his story was so incredible. Mm-hmm. He had drowned for 12 minutes. And then this he was, you know, a science officer on a boat. And uh, he came back to life. And his life changed. And, but he could remember great details about his life review. Now, he didn't call it a council. But he talked about being with these wise beings that gave first they gave him unconditional love Mm -hmm. he said in a form he had never experienced in his life because he just had a hard life and so now here he was experiencing this kind of exponential experience of love of unconditional love and then they started to show him things that he had done in his life you've heard this before and and so in one case they showed him Uh, an incident that happened in a bar in Texas. And it was a guy came on to him at the bar. And he mentioned it to the bartender. And the bartender then started a fight with this poor guy who had come on to him. And they beat the heck out of him. But David experienced that humiliation and beating from first person. He was the guy. So he experienced all the blows, the blood, you know, everything. And saw the trauma that he had caused from that negative action. And so, as he was there saying, "Oh, my gosh, what did I do? I'm you know, I'm so sorry, they said, "Well, wait, hang on a second, we're going to show you something else." And they showed him this, he thought it was inconsequential, but it was a a moment that he had had early in his life where this woman, older woman, used to come into his work, and she was always cranky and upset. And he took it upon himself. I am going to make this woman laugh. You know, like he made bets with other workers. I'm going to make her laugh. I'm going to make her happy. And he really worked on it. And she finally gave in and started laughing. And they showed him how that changed her life. And that it changed all of her relationships. Like in a wave that went out from that single action of good, let's call it. You know, of of something positive that he had done. It changed people. But what makes David's story so fascinating in the near-death literature is that he also saw an event in the future where he was going to have cancer and survive it. So 20 years later, when the doctor walked into the room to tell him he was not going to survive, that he had six weeks to live and he needed to prepare, he recognized the doctor. It wasn't the normal doctor. It was the guy from the vision he had had. And so he knew what this guy was going to say. And he said he let him talk. And then he went, nah, actually, I survived this. And they were like, no, you don't. No, you are going to you're in denial. But he's alive and well and uh, survived it and, you know, has been writing about it. So, that you know, that's what a divine counsel visit can do. Not so much predicting the future, going into the future, but it can help you access why First, very important to realize there's people who are guardians who are tethered to you, almost like, you know, a string. So they know what you're up to. They know what you're doing. And they have your back. It doesn't seem like that because you're on stage. It doesn't seem like there's an audience out there because you're, you know, struggling, doing all the stuff you're struggling with. But they're tethered. I've asked them a bunch of times, like, are you are you saying you're, like, basically tethered? One of them said, well, I wouldn't go as far as tethered. But yeah, we're always available. And you have to remember that you did sign up for your lifetime, the journey, with their permission. Because they were there when you planned your life and said, hey, I think I can do this. And they went, that's a great idea. Or are you sure? I don't know if you can handle that. You're like, wow, I can handle that. I can handle anything. I am, you know, I can hand this time. I'm going to fix it. And then you get on stage and you're like, ah, you know, (laughs) I don't know what I'm doing, but they're there to help. If you try to access them. And and I'm trying to say how easy it is. So back to this lunch that I'm having with my friend, she goes, well, I'm part of a guided meditation group worldwide. It's a group, uh, sponsored by some wealthy individuals and where people get together, they fly all over the world and they get together and they have a guided meditation. And I said, are, are these people aware of the flip side or the afterlife? And they're, no, she said, no, none of them are. So none of them had read my work or read anything about councils.
0: Uh-huh. And so
1: I said, well, here's a good, ex- this is a good experiment because I knew they could do guided meditation, just meaning, you know, what do you see? Picture yourself in a boat on a river. What do you see when I ask you that? And if people can speak aloud, eyes opened, eyes closed, doesn't matter. They're able to do what I'm asking. And once I have them in the boat, now we're sailing. Because I then ask for their guide to come forward or, or somebody, somebody who can help. Sometimes it's a loved one. Um, and then I'll say, can we go visit your council? Now, if the person, first question I ask is to the guide, I say, do you know me? Which is a weird question, because the person I'm talking to doesn't know me. So I'm asking the guide, are you aware of my work? And the guides sometimes say, no. Which means the next question is when I say, can we go visit their council? The answer would be like, why? You know, who are you? But if they are, and the majority are, they know already. It's like they have an appointment anyway. So I go, can we go visit the council? They go, yeah. Took you long enough to ask. Let's go. And the next thing I know, we're either inside or outside. Uh, The the environment is always unusual. (coughs) Sorry. Sometimes. Sorry. Okay. Sometimes it's a Gothic cathedral. Sometimes it's a beautiful grove out in the woods. And they look around and they see, like, sometimes they see, like, 50 people, 100 people. <coughs> Sorry.
0: It's okay. So I, ask,
1: I ask for the core group who are watching over this person. And it's always around five or six, sometimes as many as 12. Um, Dr. Drew, you've heard that name. right? He, he's in the film Hacking the Afterlife. He had 12. And he's a skeptic. He said, during the course of conversation he said i don't know how you're doing this but i'm seeing people i said drew i'm drinking coffee i don't know how i'm putting people in your mind Mm -hmm. and he then he proceeded to (coughs) talk about these profound individuals who've been watching over all of his lifetimes anyway that's it go ahead
0: my question is you mentioned insect and reptile Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that kind of leads me, when, when you talk about that, the alien, in, uh, are they on the council or, or what's that doing?
1: Yeah. What's up with that? Yeah, no, they are. So now think about that for a second. I'm not talking about, you know, I have talked to people who've had an abduction experience
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I have talked to people who've seen UFOs and I use the same method, asking them to visit the ship that they saw even if it's not consciously in their mind. Uh-huh. <coughs> Sorry. And so I then asked to speak to the pilot of the ship. Pilot's a non-gender word, as I learned from Ely Earhart. Um, and the pilot comes forward. And that could be a male or a female or androgynous. And then I say, can I ask you questions? And they always go, yeah, sure. And the question is, are you a tourist? Are you just flying by and this person saw you they never say that they always say no i know this person they've incarnated on our planet they've agreed to come to your planet and that's we're coming to get it gather information from them Mm -hmm. when i first heard it i thought oh my god it's a cookbook they're coming to get us anyway yeah but ultimately so if you really have to now go and take a step back, which is how does consciousness work and incarnation? How does that work? And what people claim in the research and footage is that we exist prior to incarnation, we exist. Charlotte exists, knows all the previous lifetimes, and together with guides and council members, plans on the next journey, the next play. -hmm. And you only bring a portion of the conscious energy to the lifetime, not the whole kit and caboodle, just the caboodle. And that's a percentage. And it might be an average is about 30, Mm -hmm. anywhere between 20 and 40%. Okay, so far, so good. Part of me, Rich, is always back home. Mm -hmm. Part of me is here. So now I'm here on stage. The brain is a receiver functions like a receiver, it has limiters and blocks that block information that's not conducive to survival, including seeing people who aren't from here, including being abducted and not remembering it. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: That's not conducive to survival, you see? Those kinds of blocks exist, but you can bypass them with hypnotherapy, through dreams, through meditation, through talking to a medium, you can sidestep those blocks to access that information. Okay. So now the question is, what are aliens doing here?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Over 35% of the reports from the Newton Institute include memories of lifetimes off planet. So out of the, I heard it the other day. I don't know if this is true because I haven't seen their statistics, but the president of the Newton Institute told me that Uh, Over 35% of those, and they have people all over the world who've done these sessions, these, you know, between life sessions, and over 35% of the people who come in recall lifetimes not of here. Mm -hmm. I have transcripts in all of my books, pretty much, flip side, almost all of them. The most recent one, Divine Councils, there's a couple where I say to the person, has this person we're talking to incarnated on your planet? Like the insect person and them right. saying yes. And then I say, is it okay to, for to sh- without any stress or weirdness, like to see yourself that way, can you show this person what that looked like? What was that lifetime like? Where, where are we? Are we inside? Are we outside? What does the terrain look like? What is their occupation there? I've done this a number of times. The occupation off almost always is some kind of science related Job. Exactly. You know, know, and they'll say, and then you say it's okay. So why why did you incarnate here? What's your what's the reason for you being here? And they often say it's to help humanity, it's to help the planet. We're helping people to remove the blocks Mm -hmm. so that you can communicate telepathically the way the rest of us do. Now you can imagine that's disconcerting for a lot of people to hear, because, you know, you remove the blocks suddenly, your cat and your dog are talking to you and <laughs> right. asking you like, what the what are you thinking about? What was that about? You're going to feed me this again. You know, that you can see the Twilight Zone episode <laughs> where that happens. But they say the reason for that is a couple of reasons. One, it's just the nature or it's the it's the sort of normal procession of civilization. Eventually, people in planets all over the universe they get to a point where they realize there's others Mm -hmm. that's one and the other one is they point directly to this idea that you're destroying your planet and you won't have a planet uh that doesn't mean the people that are on here then disappear because once Mm -hmm. the curtain falls the conscious energy that's in us goes home goes home, and that's the term that everybody uses when they talk about the afterlife in this research. You ask them, so what happened after that lifetime? You just remember being a Viking, what happened? You died, your head got lopped off, then what? And they always say, I went home. They don't talk about heaven. They don't talk about the other place, H-E double hockey sticks, Mm -hmm. they talk about home. And since it's a place that people often report of feeling unconditional love, of connecting with everybody who ever loved them and whoever they ever loved, Mm -hmm. you start to realize, Oh, this whole thing about the kingdom Mm
0: -hmm. of
1: heaven appears to be the flip side where we normally exist. And here we have the courage to come on stage and, and handle the stuff that's thrown at us because it's entertaining, Mm -hmm. you know, it was, uh, I think it was Aristotle who said, the essence of drama is conflict. Mm-hmm. So, hello, that's what we've been doing. But back to your aliens, all I can say is I ask the same questions to everybody. And one person I said, so have you ever, so this, that was a lizard type person. Right. Like, and lizard is not fair because. We have a pejorative when we go lizard, you know, you think small and you think skin, right? And you think mm-hmm. can't get around like me. No, we're talking about somebody who's full size, eyes just happen to close this way, um, claws for hands. But when you look carefully at the skin, cause I'll say, look carefully, can you hold right. this person's hand? What is that? Oh, it's like an oil color, like iridescent shape, but it's armor. I can feel that it's an armor outside, almost like an armadillo. Because I asked them, I said, "What's give me a creature on Earth that would be similar to what you're wearing. And they said armadillo. They, the person said, they show me an armadillo. And so I asked this one individual who's very intelligent.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, Here I am, goofy, rich, you know, in Santa Monica going, like, I can't see him. But the person I'm talking to can. And I go, can I ask you some questions? Yes, please. Go ahead. I said, well, have you ever incarnated on Earth? And there was a chuckle. Ha, ha, ha. I wouldn't stoop so low. So think about that for a second. <laughs> this is a an, wow. a lizard person going. I wouldn't bother with it. You know, it's because humans are tribal; they're constantly fighting, mm-hmm. and that's part of the planet. I mean, it's the yin yang. You know, the negative positive. I mean, if we sign up to come on the stage. There's a lot of conflict, a lot of drama. But mm-hmm. as one person said. Oh, this is the show. Earth is the show. This is where you want to come. The reason is is because you can learn more spiritually in one day of trauma than you can in 500 years on some boring planet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when you factor that in, it's a choice.
0: Right. So there's a question in the chat room about the cartels that the aliens have, if there are actually alien cartels, or are we all, all working together?
1: Oh, yeah, I love I love these people who, who take the human-centric idea. Is there any other centric idea? Mm-hmm. centric idea? <coughs> <coughs> Sorry. See, they're making me cough. And apply it, <coughs> apply it to people off planet. Let me just put it this way. I've been doing this for 10 years. Hundreds mm-hmm. of people, thousands of people on the flip side through mediums, because I started working with mediums. Right. Not a single evidence or a single account of evil or negativity in all of those things. So you want to call it a cartel? Are they working together to help the planet Earth? Yeah, you could call it that, or you could call it a club. Mm-hmm. You know, they're all trying to help us not, you know, get out of the the mud that we're in Mm -hmm. and we're killing ourselves the way we're you know they're trying to help us so they can't all help us but this idea of somebody controlling me we control ourselves remember the majority of our conscious energy is home always aware of what we're doing so nobody's controlling us Mm -hmm. we control us we have this weird thing of saying well I'm on stage and I'm suffering. Well, talk to the guy who's sitting out in the audience watching you, which is you, Mm -hmm. and applauding. Oh, that's great. Oh, I had no idea I was going to do that. That was clever. You know, there are there's a whole, and plus when you choose to incarnate, this is a fascinating thing because the council is one aspect, Mm -hmm. but there's another time when you visit the council and it's before you come. And the council in in the movie Hacking the Afterlife a guy describes being at the Hollywood Bowl, standing on stage, and he's arguing with, arguing is not the right word, but is he's convincing his council members who are sitting in the front row why his plan is a great idea.
0: Uh-huh. And they're
1: giving him, prove it. You screwed up before. Show us. And then you have thousands of people in the audience who are volunteering to mm-hmm. be part of your plan, be part of your play. And you can't get here, you can't even incarnate, unless everybody agrees. Your parents have to agree. Everyone has to participate. So we have this weird thing of, well, we're born alone and we die alone. Mm -hmm. Nothing could be further from the truth. We're born because we have hundreds, maybe thousands of people who've agreed to help us. Then we get here, we forget that because we have blocks on the brain. Uh-huh. And we march through our life. And sometimes people that are in our lives have asked us, begged us to come and incarnate with them, to help them. Because they've said, look, I'm going to go through this really traumatic thing and only you can help me. Uh-huh. And you go, eh, I did that in the Viking era. I don't want to play your Uncle Pete again,
0: uh-huh. your
1: drunk Uncle Pete. I, I, and they beg you, please, please do this for me. Remember, I helped you in your lifetimes. All right. There might be just one person that you signed up to help. And so the trick is to look around. Mm -hmm. Who could that be? You know, the person that you meet on the street and you feel like you've known them forever, Mm -hmm. it's likely you have.
0: Interesting. So the other question coming out of the chat room is, why would these aliens... Be on the council and working with, like you say, that they're here to help the people of Earth. But with all the bad stuff that's going on on Earth, is that what they're here to help us with?
1: Okay. And now let's just examine what the bad stuff is. Okay. Every time you go to see a movie, does just only good stuff happen in the movie? No. Okay. And so the actors who play the bad guys, when you talk to them, don't they normally say, I love playing bad guys? Right. When they get off stage, when they get off the screen, you know, whoever it is, you know, you ask them, so what was it like being on? I mean, Romeo doesn't yell at Juliet right? and right. Iago isn't strangled by Othello, but they've been doing this forever. They've mm-hmm. done these many multiple lifetimes. So when you think about doing bad or being bad, sure, there are people that come here that seem to be completely Off the charts. But you really have to talk to each person and say, why'd you do that?
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Better to not judge than be judged.
0: Right. That makes sense. This is all fascinating to me. I mean, you know, this divine counsel thing. Because it kind of reminds me, and I hate to say it, because I'm a movie buff. I'm a sci-fi movie buff. But you know, with with the alien beings being involved, it kind of reminds me of something like Star Trek. You know, with the with the with with the uh, Galactic Council they have there with all the different aliens.
1: Yeah, it kind of does. And uh, you would think, well, who's representing humanity?
0: Mm-hmm. But you know,
1: I, you know, it's fascinating because so somewhere along the line, Jennifer Schaefer, who's a medium, who works with law enforcement. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <coughs> Sorry. Take your time. Reached out to me and said, I read your book. I'd love to work with you. And I was like, mediumship, what's that? You know, you mean like psychics? But I was an idiot. And I realized she's like a cell phone to the other side. So we've been doing a podcast, Hacking the Afterlife, for about two years. But we've been meeting up for eight years, every week, doing the same thing. And you mentioned talking to celebrities. Right. So while I was doing this work with her, you know, I thought, well, these are, this is, I can ask questions. I can ask questions to people off the planet. Like, why did this event happen? Right. And we were talking to Stephen Hawking. He had just passed away. And I thought, what the heck? Why not? I don't know him, but maybe, maybe somebody on the flip side does. So sure enough, she's like, cause I don't, I didn't say his name. I just said, uh-huh. Stephen, I want to talk to a guy named Stephen. And she, she's very good at this. She said, you mean the guy in the wheelchair? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so she's like, well, he just wheeled in. And then he got out of the chair and he's not wearing glasses. And he's, and he starts talking about his journey and his life and his lifetimes. He talked about a previous lifetime, fascinating stuff. But then I started as best as I can, asking as deep questions as I can. And I said, what do you think about aliens? Have you met any aliens? And he said, "We're all aliens. Humans are aliens because we choose to incarnate. We come from elsewhere to incarnate on the planet. So everyone on the planet is an alien.
0: Except. You see? Yeah. And except.
1: so, so that that becomes this kind of weird thing of like, you know, we look at an animal, and we think we we're all oh, we're constantly judging. You know, we look at a, another person." You know, and their mental capacity isn't something's wrong. Right. Right. But we can talk to their higher selves and ask the higher self, why did you choose this path? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And they can answer. I had a fascinating conversation with a friend of mine's father who had dementia, was in hospice care. Just using this technique. So I'm talking to Jennifer and I'd say I want to talk to my friend Jack. She, you know, she, we go through a couple of different questions and next thing I know, he's talking about me as a kid, you know, and he knew me from when I was 16,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: all the details, like, you know, what he fed his dog for breakfast, a piece of toast, those kind of things. So I know who I'm talking to. And then I asked him, what was it like being in hospice care and having full dementia? And he said, I've got about 10% of my conscious energy in my body. It's like having a leg still in the pool when the rest of you is out of the pool. And I said, well, why do you just want to just pull your leg out? He said, well, I have grandchildren that want to say goodbye to me, and they have to drive in and get there. And he did. He passed away a couple of weeks later. But he had this very – it was a very eloquent talking about all the things that he experienced in his life, all the mm-hmm. things that he could do on the flip side already. 90% of him is off-planet. Right, 10% is still here. He said, "I can do everything but ride a bike," because he's still stuck here. Right. Once you cross over, you can do anything, including riding oh. bikes, including racing horses, including playing football, including all these other details. But uh, I'm I'm segueing for you.
0: Sure.
1: So I see, what?
0: I know what you're doing.
1: <laughs> so, my friend. So the way I got into this research is because my good pal Luana Anders. Right companion of 20 years passed away in my arms back in 1996 and then she started showing up in my apartment in and then she started showing up to other people i knew and it was and, and also giving me new information so i started researching this because it was like how could i ignore this because she's obviously still exists
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that's what took me down this rabbit hole and since then, she has become the moderator of our podcast on the flip side. I mean, one day, Jennifer said, your friend is here. I don't know her name, but I she described her. I was like, you mean Luana? Yeah. And so that was eight years ago. And so Luana, she brings the people in that she knows. Mm-hmm. And she knew everybody because she was in over 300 TV shows and movies. So she knew she worked with brando she you know she knew all these people and then and like i directed ray charles in a film i mean i worked in films for 40 years everyone that ray charles knows is available oh cool so if i'm talking to ray could ray come forward and then i go ray can you bring in aretha whoever it is if he knows them he can bring them in now i must say they don't come in locked and loaded, ready to you know talk about their journey.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But they do come in and then say, I want to observe. Because op- on the flip side, they're walking into, let's say, a classroom. Here's this woman, Luana, that they know, who's at the front of the classroom. As Tom Petty said, your friend Luana is like the person with the clipboard at the VIP gate backstage. She won't let you in unless you're on the list. And what she does is she takes your conversation, your thoughts, and she helps you translate those into images, so that Jennifer on this side of the veil can translate what they're saying. So she'll say to me, "I'm seeing this, you know, and I'm seeing a child." And I and then she says, "I I think he's asking us about something about his kid," and then I'll say. Cause I, you know, cause I, I was a music critic for variety. And, you know, I, so I have a, I'll say, no, I, is he talking about this other thing, you know, that, that, that happened to him and they'll, you know, she'll go, oh, that's it. She taps her nose because over there, that's how they let her know. That's it. So we're both translating images, thoughts. Right. Impressions um, that, that Jennifer is getting from the flip side. So that's how celebrities show up. And I try to focus on of course, there's no hierarchy on, on the afterlife.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We have one here, obviously. Right. But on the flip side, if you ask them, is there a hierarchy? You know, who are you impressed to see? It's a fact, those are fascinating questions and answers. But what I try to do is focus on the research. Like, what are we talking about? So Anthony Bourdain shows up and I oh. say, Anthony, what were you thinking? Were you out of your mind? I mean, and then I was like busting his chops so much that he started complaining to Jennifer because I was asking him these tough questions. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, you you set such a bad example to people. And what he said was, I was badly, he said, I was misinformed. He said, I thought I could go out on top, but I was misinformed, which is funny because it's a line from Casablanca. Mm-hmm. You know, I came here for the waters. We're in a desert. I was misinformed. But the reason I mention him is because when he comes forward, I say, how do we help people not do what you did? Mm-hmm. You know, he was a heroin user in his youth. And a number of heroin, he's, re- he's confirmed this from the flip side. You lose the ability to experience joy. It becomes an artificial thing and you lose Joy. Mm -hmm. And so as you go through your life, more and more things mount up. And so you're not experiencing any joy and you think, Oh, I'm going to end it all. You, nothing ends. All you do is find yourself in a room and you can't communicate with anybody. That's, that's the reality. So I asked him, but he's hilarious, of course, because he hasn't changed his persona. Right. I said, so. How do we tell people, especially around the holidays, how do we tell people how to deal with this stuff? And he said, uh, tell them to meditate. And I said, oh, did you used to meditate? He said, no, dummy. If I did, I'd still be on the planet. (laughs) Oh, okay. Why? Why? And then I've done a lot of research about it. Richard Davidson, the University of Wisconsin, showed that meditation could change the shape of the amygdala, which regulates serotonin. That a single session of meditation can change the shape of the amygdala. So basically, the science shows that meditation can cure, quote, or uh, fix the the you know issues of depression.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So to me, I mean, of course, people take SSRI drugs, you know, serotonin-release drugs, to, to help that, and of course, that's a great thing. And their doctors will tell them it's a great thing. But in addition to that. Why not? Meditation has no side effects.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Med means measure in Latin. People are being asked to measure. So I've heard this consistently. And I, that's why I mention it. It's not coming from me. It's not coming from the medium, It's coming from people not on the planet. Telling people on the planet, learn to meditate. It's easy. It will help you. It will heal you. It will make everything more tolerable, including Mm -hmm. turning off the TV, that's causing all the stress, turning off the social media, that's causing all that stress. You know, we're so used to being sold fear, sold drama and trauma, Right. we get so used to it, going for a walk in the woods, going for a walk on the beach, is the most direct way that you can have to communicate with people not on the planet, because all the cacophony is gone, and you put them in your mind. I mean, look, I'll just give your your listeners a rather one, two, three.
0: There you go. Yeah.
1: Put put them put it put them in your mind. You can use a photograph. Photographs work like a portal, according to them. But mm-hmm. say their name. Ask them questions.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Don't judge the answers. Ask them questions you don't know the answer to. But when you get a response before you can ask the question, you'll know you've made a connection. So, like, let's say you want to talk to your grandma, your great grandmother. Bless her heart, not on the planet. And also, it's not going to freak you out to talk to her, right? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, so long ago. So, you go to her favorite spot maybe it's a beach, maybe it's a forest, maybe it's somewhere, and you start talking to her. Granny, what's up? Who greeted you when you crossed over? And you'll something will pop into your mind. You go, oh, well, that makes sense. Maybe I made that up. You just keep asking questions. What do you miss about being on the planet? Who were you surprised to meet over there? What are you doing over there? And and so along those line, that line of questions, you're, something's going to pop into your head, like mm-hmm. you're you're about to ask, you know, what's it like over there, but you suddenly see um, the flying nun, right, pops into your head, and that's the question: What's it like over there? You see, that was going to be your question, right? But be, the, you can fly, you can literally move from one place in the universe to another at the speed of thought cool yeah
0: that's really cool
1: i mean you know i'm not trying to paint it like oh i can't wait to get back there right but it is off stage and being on stage there's a lot of you know cool things about being on stage it's very hard to make cappuccino over there apparently or pizza so if those are two things that you like to do cappuccino pizza also this tactile sensations Right. The word spongy is what they often say, you know, like holding hands or put it this way. Dick Clark came through speaking of New Year's Eve. Dick Clark came through. Why? You know, that's what I said to him. What are you doing here? He said, I heard about this class and I wanted to talk to you guys. Okay. Tell us who greeted you when you crossed over. He said, my cats. I didn't know that he had cats. He said they they made it a soft landing because, you know, you cross over and you see like animals around. You're like, oh, you feel good. You mm-hmm. know, you're not thinking about where am I? I said, what do you miss about being on the planet? He said, the mystery. And again, Jennifer, I'm asking Jennifer, what does Dick Clark miss about being on the planet? The mystery. I said, what's that mean? He said, when you're on the planet, when you meet somebody, you fall in love with them a little at a time. There's Mm -hmm. a mystery. It unfolds. Over here, it's a full download. You run into somebody. Oh, it's you, the Viking. Yeah, yeah, I've seen you many lifetimes. And you see everything they've done. And you can access it. It's like an instant download. So you're totally aware of this person in front of you. You see? Mm -hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So you mentioned Amelia Earhart earlier. Oh, did I? Yes.
1: Just reel her in. Yes. What would you like to know?
0: Well, does she was she able to tell you what happened to her? Or
1: well, listen. This is there's a book. One of my books is called "Hacking the Afterlife," uh-huh. and uh, it has I think about a third of the book is just Amelia. Uh-huh. I mention it because I spent thirty. Uh, years researching her story it uh, right after my second feature film limit up friend of mine came to me came out from chicago and said hey no one's made a movie about amelia Earhart," and i was like okay and i dug into her story and i saw this detail that some people thought she had been captured by the japanese Mm -hmm. and i thought well that's it's possible if you have more than one eyewitness you know, if you have one eyewitness, then uh, it could be anything. But if you uh-huh. have two and they say the same story, then it's worth looking into. Let me put it this way. I've been, uh, you know, digging into her story for 30 years. When uh, I showed it, I showed my research to Philip Noyce, the director, Clear and Present Danger, Salt movie that I'm in, I worked on. Uh, he said, I want it. I, wanted, I want to make this movie, but not with you. He said, I'm going to make it with Hillary Swank. And um, I said, no, I'm not going to give you my phone, my story. Anyway, he hired me to do all the background research. So I'm on that picture. And then he left the movie and Miraner finished it. And unfortunately, they decided to tell us not the story, what happened to her. Just like what happened to her when she did up to the point she disappeared. Uh-huh. You want to know in a nutshell, how yeah. many minutes, how many minutes do we got?
0: Ah, uh, Take your time. Go for it.
1: All right. So she was born in Kansas. No, um, to the
0: family of sharecroppers.
1: <laughs> so, so uh, before I tell you what happened, I'm going to tell you how. Well, I'll tell you what happened first. Okay. She, uh as you know, she got her pilot's license in Santa Monica, my old town. No, um, she, you know, married this guy, uh George Putnam,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and uh they became like a team he would book her you know on in all these different events and they made money doing it that way and and that's that was their sort of the model of their careers from when they met and and they got married and of course you know that most people know that when she did get married she did a um she did a uh, contract with george that said, look, I can leave you at any time because if we don't love each other that, you know, it's pointless. Mm-hmm. Okay. She then, they were friends with FDR. So FDR, if you, I don't know if you've heard this story, but FDR asked Julia Child to be part of his kitchen cabinet, they called it, of, of spies. Julia Child was married to somebody they made a movie about it. He was married, her husband was in, like in the attaché in Europe, in Germany. So he brought back information and she would report to FDR. Same thing with Amelia, who was very tight with his wife, Eleanor Roosevelt. And and basically, she wanted... uh, Well, you know, whatever. She took Eleanor on her first flight lesson, actually, and taught her how to drive a car. But at some point, FDR, who was friends with george putnam Mm -hmm. they came up with this idea that when she was doing her around the world trip she would gather information so call that a spy mission not so much well you know he's got this julia child doing the same thing but the word spy back in 1937 was an act of war you know in those days that you couldn't just it wasn't a popular thing Mm -hmm. it would ruin her reputation but she agreed to, uh, not initially, but w- initially she took off, she flew, she was going around the world from Oakland, the plane crashed in Hawaii, they had to rebuild the plane and they needed $30,000, and so they went to FDR, and he said, I'm going to put you in touch with the head of the Navy, and the Navy worked this whole plan out, mm-hmm. where she was going to fly around the, the world in a different direction, leaving for Florida, and when she got there, to uh lay new guinea from that point forward she would she would film and they put two cameras fairchild spy cameras aboard her plane i've seen an interview with one of the navy guys who put it on the plane Mm -hmm. and she was going to film as she flew over now what makes that a little goofy is that by the time she left there was a rainstorm so she couldn't film anyway even if she had a camera so she got to Howland Island. And another little factor is that whenever she would sort of solo fly, and this goes back to when she first tested the Lockheed, she would lean on the controls. And it happened three times where she was 200 miles northwest of where she was supposed to be. Okay. When she was supposed to go to Dakar, she was 200 miles northwest. And Fred Noon and the navigator was like, hey, we're off, you know, thing. And when she flew with a a test pilot, his name escapes me at the moment, and Burbank, 200 miles off. So it was that number. Anyway, the backup plan was for her to turn left if they got lost and fly to the Gilbert's. Uh, Nicomaroro was supposed to be the place. That's what it's called now. And then it was the Gilberts. And so she did. She took a left and went straight for the Gilberts. However, she was 200 miles northwest. And so she brought the plane down in a place called Miliatole. She landed it on a coral reef, an amazing feat. Um, And islanders saw her. I've seen interviews with two islanders who were there when she brought the plane down. The Japanese knew she had gone there. Mm -hmm. And that was part of the mandated Japanese islands. And so they arrested her. And they put her aboard a ship that took her to Jellowit and then Majuro, or the other way around, Majuro and then Jellowit. They took the Electra, they dragged it across the island, put it aboard a Japanese barge. I I met somebody who had an interview with a guy on that barge. They put the plane on the barge and they took it over to Majuro. Where they put it aboard this ship with a crane. And that ship went on to Jaluit, where it was seen by where she was seen by a number of people, including the ambassador or the uh, a congressman from the Marianas, who was a little kid, and his dad said they've arrested an American spy. I've also had an interview with a young guy who was a um, who was like a, a nurse who went aboard and treated her wounds. Fred was uh, badly wounded, her navigator, Fred Noonan. She She was less so. She spoke to this guy in English. And that guy was interviewed on camera. And 20 years later, I interviewed his business partner, who said, if this guy said that he saw Amelia Earhart, he was so honest that I know it was true. We all knew that he had seen her. So then she's taken to Saipan. Saipan was the Japanese military headquarters during all of World War II. And the plane was then transported by ship also to Saipan, was put in a hangar Mm -hmm. on Saipan. So your friend Rich has been to Saipan. I have filmed inside the cell where more than one person saw her there. I've interviewed 12 U.S. Marines who saw the plane her passport uh, and her briefcase. And they all corroborate the same things of what they saw. 12 US Marines. They saw the US um, Marines destroy the plane, light it on fire and then bury it off the runway there. Uh, So I, I really have been up on, and she died in prison. Uh, there, but she was there for seven years wow. because I interviewed a couple of islanders who saw her paraded around the island. It's not a big island. It's like the size of Catalina paraded around the island on the back of a truck. These two guys, when I was there filming, um, I found them. They both were young kids who were at a grade school and both saw her on the back of a truck where she was being held hostage. And he said, one of them said that she spoke to him in English. And he said, you know, I'd never seen a European woman before, which is what they call uh, Americans or anyone Caucasian. But another guy who was not at that school, but was at another school on the same day corroborated the story deep word for word. So ultimately, I know what happened to her. You see? So now it gets interesting because when Jennifer Schaefer calls me up, it says, oh, I work with law enforcement. Uh, as a medium. I said, Oh, really? Um, I go, what, doing what? She said, finding missing persons. And I said, Oh, how would you like to work on the most famous missing person case in history? She went, I'm in. I did not tell her who that was. I -hmm. went over to her office. I set up my camera and for three hours, I interviewed Amelia with details that only Amelia could know, including the fact that she was, she preferred women. That she had a lover who was the daughter of a uh, European soldier officer, naval officer. That I knew where that woman went to school. I knew how they met, and and so she confirmed all the all those details. Everything. Um. I, you know, it's mind boggling. And I had three different mediums ask her the identical questions and she's confirmed everything, including, and this is where it gets really out of, you know, that's why we're here. Right. I'm at the end of the interview and I say to Jennifer, ask her how she died. Now I had filmed a person on Saipan saying I saw her shot. And I discovered later on this Woman had seen an American pilot shot. Two pilots had been shot down, which people don't really know about, but and one of them was shot. The other one was beheaded. And I saw, and I met another person on Saipan who said, My father saw her beheaded. Okay. So I'm asking Amelia, how'd you die? And she's and Jennifer says, dysentery. And I said, Oh, come on. I've heard it was either you were shot or beheaded. Which one is it? Her answer to that was, Rich, when those two GIs dug me up, they only found an arm. I didn't ask that question. And Jennifer just said it out of nowhere. Now, I know the two GIs, Hanson and Burke, had been interviewed by Fred Gerner in 1963 Mm -hmm. about digging up her body and turning it over to the U.S. military. And that's a known fact, but has been obscure since 1963. And here she is saying, I, apropos of nothing, those two GIs who dug me up only found an arm. Wow. So I leave the interview. It gets worse. Hang on. I leave the interview. I'm driving away. My head is swimming. You know, was I really talking to Amelia Earhart? That is so bizarre. The phone rings. It's an NTSB, you know, National Transportation Safety Board, mm-hmm. uh, engineer who's testified before Congress. He had just come out of a room where he was looking at top secret and classified information about Amelia Earhart that a, uh, a guy who worked for the ATF had gathered. I mean, really detailed stuff that no one's seen yet because he still hasn't written his dang book. But he said, Rich, I just spent five hours looking at this stuff. and Everything you told me is true. Everything you said about her being arrested, they had it all except one thing. When they dug her up, they only found an arm. This was literally 10 minutes after I had just heard it from Amelia herself. And what's weird is I eventually had lunch with that investigator, and I repeated the story, and he was like, I didn't know that. I didn't know they only found an arm. Now, I corroborated that story. Like six months later, I was doing some more research. Mm -hmm. And I found uh, Chicago Tribune, 1977, UPI, Hanson and Burke were interviewed and off camera, they said, you know, it's weird. When we dug up these bodies in the jungle in Saipan, we only found a partial rib cage and an arm. So you see, it's not like it was a detail that was repeated exactly verbatim. Mm -hmm. It was the arm part. They only found an arm. Anyway, so what can I say other than I know where she's buried? Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody wants to make a film about Amelia Earhart. I'm happy to uh, take him to the spot and film us digging up her body as well as the plane. Cause I did have a, I had a guy who said, um, I might've been the NTSB guy. He said, if you get a ground penetrating radar. Even though they burned her plane, uh-huh. the steel frame is going to be matched the identical length. So that's what happened to Amelia. She was, she preferred women. She had an arranged marriage. Her husband, by the way, uh, George Putnam. I w- interviewed a guy who had interviewed Dorothy Putnam, George's wife. And this is a famous uh famous guy, Long is his last name. And he told me that Dorothy told him that she had walked in on George, Amelia, and another woman. Hmm. And I said, why didn't you put that in your book? And he said, oh, it's just gossip. But you see, it's not just gossip. Mm -hmm. It's verification of what I'm talking about.
0: Right, right, right.
1: She preferred women in an era. I mean, it's so obvious. And of course, anybody... You know her clothing, blah 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 blah. And look, it's kind of silly to even talk about, it. right? But from her point of view, she initially had said, "I'm not so sure I want to change the story of my life,
0: uh-huh.
1: Rich." But yes, you're accurate. The love of my life was this painter, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, that's and that's, incredible. I'm, you know, it's just about verifying the research. That's right, all I'm right, doing, right? More important than the fact of what happened to her, she exists. She's Mm -hmm. alive. You can talk to her. You can ask her questions. Anybody can. Not just me. Not just, you know, Mm -hmm. Jennifer. Mm -hmm. I've had three mediums talk to her.
0: Anybody can. I don't know why they don't. That is just so interesting. Absolutely interesting.
1: (laughs) Well, thank God. (laughs) Yeah. Well, talk to me. Tell me about you. How'd you get involved in this
0: stuff? I grew up in a haunted house. Ah, and have you talked to the person who was haunting you? Yes, I've had sensitive abilities since I was a kid. Okay, so who was the person you were talking to? There were nuns in my house at one time, and a gentleman also died um, just before the house was built. It was Old Riverland, Okay. And he had fallen and, and, and hurt, broken his head open and died on the property. Oh. And he's still in my dining room. I still have a few. I still have him in my dining room. He's oh, attached. still. He's attached day. to the land. Yeah. Okay. And I also, then I made the mistake in collecting Roman and Greek antiquities. So I ended oh, up. Yeah. Uh, so
1: you bringing them in.
0: Yeah. So I brought a Roman in. Yeah. A, a Roman mm-hmm. centurion in. <laughs> That's kind of cool. Yeah.
1: Well, is it is it disconcerting in any way?
0: No, actually, he's really cool. You know, he is really, um, really calm and helpful. All right,
1: <laughs> sorry.
0: The other guy, yeah. because he died, he bled to death. The other guy's confused. You know, but he's kind of been settled down a little bit too since my fa- since my mom and dad passed away. I think they're here keeping him subdued. You know, so it's not so bad. Because I remember when.
1: Do you want to send him? Also... Let me ask yeah. you, Charlotte. Do you want to send him home? sure do you yeah are you sure yeah okay so do you know his first name
0: no I have no idea who he is nothing all right all right
1: all right so I know I know we have time or you could cut this into two shows sure so what the heck um all right here's what I'm gonna do I'm gonna, we're gonna play a little game okay right instead of me asking you questions uh we'll just play this game and the sure. game goes like this. I want you to picture yourself in a boat on a river. Okay. Tell me what the boat looks
0: like. We had a boat years ago, so it's probably going to be that one. It's a, it's red. Red, red. Red, red. red and tan.
1: And is it made out of wood or, or
0: fiberglass? Fiberglass. fiberglass?
1: Fiberglass. Okay. So it's got a motor. Yeah. Okay. I need you to turn the motor off. I don't want you to go speeding away. Okay. Okay. So you're sitting, Can you? are you sitting uh, behind the wheel or are you sitting a little bit further back?
0: I'm sitting in the back, looking out the back at the, at the water. Good.
1: Good. That gives us a room for somebody to stop by. Okay. Tell me what the water looks like. Are we on a lake or a river or what?
0: We're on the river and it's morning just before the sun rises and, and, and the water, the sky is that deep. Blue color, but the but the tip, but the tops of the water, the, the waves are, are shimmering as the sun comes up.
1: Beautiful. And uh how far away is the shore?
0: Probably about thirty
1: feet, maybe forty. Okay. And what's on the shore? Trees or grass? Just or trees what?
0: and just a couple beaches. Okay, very good.
1: All right. I, I want you to do me a favor and I I I don't want to limit us to the guy who's in your house. Mm-hmm. Let's pick somebody to come and talk to us. I'm going to assume that your guide already knows that we were going to do this, and maybe they're they're here. Or who wants to sit across from us? Your mom or dad? They're welcome as well. Okay. Pick one.
0: Probably my mom.
1: Okay, very good. What's your mom's first name? Margaret. Hi, Margaret. So nice of you to stop by. And I should I just want you to picture her sitting across from you. Okay. what's she what's she wearing
0: she's wearing a like, a like a like a blue dress
1: uh-huh is this a dress you know or
0: no it's okay. something i've seen her wear before
1: all right it's interesting because that's new information uh-huh. and so so just describe the dress a little bit
0: it's a blue dress that's got kind of a so some, some kind of pattern design on it kind of like she works at a phone company so it reminds me of something she wore to work okay very good
1: and margaret um Thank you for stopping by. Can I ask you some questions and just ask her to nod, shrug, or shake her head? She says, yeah. Okay. Very good. Are you familiar with my work? Yes. Okay. I think that's interesting, Margaret, because Charlotte's not, but you are. (laughs) Is that correct? Yes. Are there a lot of things that you're aware of that Charlotte's not aware of? Yes. All right. Very good. I just like to have some fun there. So, Margaret, let me ask you: What's the pl- what's the thing that you want to show to Charlotte today? Do you want to take her to her council, or do you want to talk to this ghost that's living in the house?
0: The ghost is living in the house.
1: All right, can we invite him to sit across from us? I'll try. Okay, and you know you you sensed him. Is he young or old?
0: He's middle-aged.
1: And uh, color hair?
0: Kind of sandy brown.
1: Sandy brown. And eyes? What color is eyes? He's got blue eyes. Blue eyes. All right. Very good. And what's that first name that we can use to address him? Jason. Jason. Very good. Jason, welcome to our boat. Jason, can I ask you some questions? Is that okay? Would that be all right? Yes. It is. All right. Very good. So, Jason. I would ask you about why you're in the house, but I assume you already know the answer to that. And Charlotte probably already knows the answer to that. But let me ask you, Jason, would you like to go home? Do you know what I'm talking about? You would. Okay. All right. So, Margaret, you can be helpful. Point Jason towards a portal or a light that's in the distance. Can you do that? Yes. All right. And and so, Jason, I'm not going to ask you to leave us. Let's just go over near that portal. Just if you don't mind, let's get out of the boat and we'll travel over close to the portal. Okay, You're not, you're not through it. You're just near it. And please describe to us what that feels like.
0: I feel lighter. It doesn't feel like I'm connected to the place where I fell.
1: Okay, very good. And so Jason, our... Have you have you had any visits from people that you knew and loved in your life before? Or is this new for you?
0: This is new.
1: Okay, very good. All right. And uh we've I've done this before. So Jason, everything's, you know, we're we're safe here. It's fine. Do me a favor, just put your arm through that portal of light and describe to us what does that feel like?
0: It's warm. I I feel a tingle coming across my arm.
1: Okay, almost like an electric kind of a thing? Yes. Okay, very good. I'm going to say something to you, Jason. And I just want you to hear that I'm speaking to the truth to you, which is that everyone you ever loved or anyone who ever loved you is on the other side of that light. And if you go through the light, you can always come back. You're always welcome here. No one's going to tell you not to come back. All right? So Mm -hmm. do you have any fear or trepidation about going through the light? No. So do us a favor. Just don't go far. Just go through the light and describe what that feels like as you're going through it.
0: A lot of relief.
1: A lot of relief. Okay. And do me a favor, Margaret, if you don't mind, could you hold on to his hand while he's on the other side? Yes. We don't want to. We don't want you to go through, but just hold on to his hand, so he feels safe.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so, let me ask you, Jason: Is there anyone you can see in your field of view, like a guy, or well, I won't say who, but but who is there? Anybody in your field of view that you can see?
0: There's someone way off.
1: Very good. Is it a male, a female, or a light? It's a light. It's a light. Let's no, invi- it's getting clear Okay, very good. Can we invite the light towards us, please? And tell me when the light's close up.
0: It's close up now.
1: Okay, and, and if I can ask the light, what describe the light. What color is the light?
0: It's kind of a golden yellow.
1: Golden yellow. Very good. And if I can ask the light to manifest as a person... Just for the purpose of a conversation, could could the light do that? Yes and and tell me what you see, Jason.
0: That's my mother.
1: Oh, very good. your mom. Oh, that's very lovely. Okay, very good. And tell us what does she look like? It's about what age?
0: She's about forty.
1: about forty. And what's her name? if you don't mind. Lisa Lisa. Lisa. What the heck took you so long? How come you're waiting for Jay? Why is Jason hanging out over here? How come he didn't come and retrieve him? I'm teasing. <laughs> he's what very she- stubborn. She- oh, he's very stubborn. Okay, very good. Well, Lisa, would you do me a favor and take hold of his hands? Margaret, you can let go of his hand now. Lisa, yeah. would you take hold of both of his hands? Mm-hmm. And please project to him the feeling that he needs to feel right now. And Jason, what are you feeling?
0: I feel good. I don't want. I I want to go with her.
1: Okay, very good. Now, Jason, before you go, ah, hold on. That's going to be forty two fifty. No, I'm kidding. So <laughs> you're going to go hang out with Lisa, and I just want to repeat to you, you're always welcome here. This you were here before anybody else was, and I know that Charlotte's going to be okay with you coming back to say hello or to thank her. For doing this show, because this show helped you to get home. Okay, very good. Uh, Lisa, have a great time. You guys have a lovely holiday season. And maybe show him around. And maybe if he wants to come back, it's okay, because he's outside of time. And he can learn a lot this way. And we'll catch you later. So, Margaret, let's go back to the boat. Okay. All right, very good. So, Margaret, who greeted you when you crossed over? My mother. Oh, very good. And what was that like? Was that happy or disconcerting? It was happy.
0: Yeah.
1: Very good. And how's... Oh, go ahead.
0: She was here before I died, too.
1: Okay. Very good. And and tell me, um, Margaret, how's Charlotte doing?
0: She's doing okay. She's doing okay. She's hanging in there.
1: <laughs> and, and are you stopping by to see her and just show her some event where you were there and helping
0: i still come by to watch tv with her
1: and stuff oh that's good what's what's your favorite show
0: we like to watch the two old men at night
1: oh that's very funny Uh, my my fraser my mom and i used to wrestle for the uh the remote control all the time and so i bought a second one so secretly she didn't know i could change the channel without (laughs) her being aware of it that's very good and so margaret what do you want to tell the listening audience there's people here listening in who It's the holiday season. They're suffering because they've lost a loved one. What's something you can tell us about your journey?
0: Well, we're not gone, and especially during the holiday season, we're always with you. In fact, we're, we're with you more during the holiday season, really, than we are any other time, because it's family.
1: Very good. And what do you recommend we do during the holidays? I mean, I tell people to toast you in present tense. Mm-hmm. Put out a photograph. What's another stuff we can do?
0: Just think about us. Very good. And think about the good times we had during the holidays because we're there celebrating with you.
1: That is so sweet. And so who are you hanging out with on the flip side, Margaret?
0: My husband.
1: Okay. And let me ask you, who were you surprised to see on the flip side?
0: Probably my brother. Why? Why? Because he was real independent, and I thought maybe he would be off doing his own, you know, his own stuff. But he's really family oriented over here.
1: Okay, very good. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Uh, very. All right. So, and what what do you want to tell Charlotte to do over the holidays?
0: I wanted to enjoy the holidays and not think about what ha- you know everything that happened last year.
1: Okay, very good. And so, it's that thing of we have a tendency to remember the sad, uh-huh. and if we can move. Grief to nostalgia, it begins the healing process. Is that true, Margaret? Yes. Because I've heard that from people on the flip side, you know, trying to move grief to nostalgia. Okay, very good. All right. So let's go, let's park our boat. Let's take the boat over to the shore. Mm-hmm. Let's tie her up, tie up that fiberglass boat, Red. And let's hop off the boat and let's thank Margaret for stopping by to say hi. And Jason, we, we know you're up over there talking to Lisa. So very good. All right. Thank you. And what was that? How many minutes did that take? Probably 20.
0: Yeah, that was cool. Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome.
1: Well, it's kind of what I've, I don't know. I mean, people will say, well, you're leading, you know, Mm -hmm. but I'm a guy. I'm like a guide who's been to the Himalayas before. Of course I'm leading. I know where the pitfalls are. I know. I know where, to, you know, how to get there. And mm-hmm. so why, you know, spend the time spinning in circles? Just get skip down. And, you know, what's lovely is that Margaret was the one in charge. Yeah. Right? I gave yeah, her an option. Right. We we could have gone and talked to your counsel. We could have gone anywhere.
0: This is and, the youngest I've seen her, you know, because after she passed away, I saw her. She, she would come, but it looked like she was aging, starting to age backwards. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so well, there no you go. Sooner, she she looked younger and younger. This is the best I've seen her look.
1: Isn't that fun? I when I worked on the movie Salt, uh, the NY there was an NYPD detective who heard me talking about this research and you know what I was filming,
0: uh-huh.
1: and so he pulled me into a back room and he said, "I think my house is possessed." I said, "Why?" He said, "Well, my daughter, who's eight years old, is seeing a policeman in the kitchen." And I said, well, is it, you know, a cop that you liked? He said, well, I showed her a picture of my partner and she said, well, that's him, daddy, but he's skinnier now and has hair. And he was like, how, how can, was that a demon? I said, well, wait a minute. You know, people appear as they like to appear. Right. And did you like the guy? He said, well, I loved him. I said, well, is it so weird that somebody who you loved is hanging around with your daughter while you're at work? He said, "Not when you put it that way." (laughs) So, you know that is the thing about ghosts, and you know if you can talk to them and ask them questions. I've had I've had difficult you know ghosts who are like, "No, I don't want to." The funniest one was I was doing uh, Beyond Belief, the George Nori show Mm -hmm. on Gaia, and the makeup artist. uh, Well, the producer came running in and said, "Tell Rich about the ghost." And so the makeup artist said that one day. She had heard that somebody was smashing lights, like a ghost was smashing lights in the studio, you know, in a locked room. So I said, well, did you see him? She said, yeah, I did, briefly. And so I said, well, let's go, you know, go back to that visual. Freeze the frame. Who is this person? And within a few minutes, we asked him questions. He was very angry. He had died in a fire in a town nearby. And I said, what are you so angry about? He said, all the people who come on this show and lie about the afterlife, (laughs) which I thought was pretty funny because I was about to go on the show Mm -hmm. and I did the exact same thing that we just did. I invited him to go home, but his initial reaction was, no, I don't want to go there. I'm happy with my anger, he said. I said, okay, but you know, let's just go look, see if there's somebody there. And He saw his uncle, the only person who ever liked him. And I said, well, you're welcome to come back. And he said, no, no, I think I'll stay here a while. And then they called me to do the show. And when I came back to get the makeup off, uh, the makeup artist said he came back. I said, oh, I guess it didn't work. And she said, no, no, he came back to thank us for sending him home. Cool. So you just sent Jason, Jason home. You'll have to see if anything happens that's the same.
0: Right, right.
1: But... Probably Thank not. You. You're welcome.
0: Thank Didn't you. expect that. Thank you. Thank you very much.
1: <laughs> You're welcome. Sorry about the cough.
0: Oh, that's okay. You know what? Great. We're going to have to get you on again and talk about other stuff. All right. I, you know don't mind. because I don't I, mind. I you know I enjoy talking to you. I enjoy talking to you. See.
1: And you you can hear it's I don't I don't consider any of this scary or frightening or any fear based thing or negative at all. I just yeah. see it all as storytelling 101
0: absolutely and absolutely can... though i gotta get yeah. you scheduled back in that was fun
1: all right very good charlotte
0: i've been waiting for so long to get you on see good things well come now up. you
1: know why it was yeah. to send jason home yeah right richard that's thank right. you thank you charlotte i appreciate it nice to meet your mom
0: nice to meet you and yeah everything nice to all meet right. this dude over here too you know that took off
1: that's right <laughs> he's jason. there now i like it <laughs> Jeez, oh so- he's at my house ah just kidding
0: <laughs> how can all right very good, good. How, how, how can people find oh you? they can
1: find me um in santa monica no i'm kidding martini prods at uh gmail.com MartiniZone.com is our site where you can see all of our podcasts and other stuff free uh hacking the is to listen to our podcast and richmartini.com is my blog cool and cool. divinecouncils.com is the new book where you can learn how to do the boat trick mm-hmm. it's in there i lay it out cool. as best as i can and then hacking the and flipside myfilm.com awesome that's on amazon the other one's on kayak
0: Thank you so much. I've been following you for a while. You know, I listened to you on the other show. I'm not going to say the other show's name, but I listened to you on the other show. Very good. So I've been following you. And uh, definitely, if if you're more than willing to come on, I really appreciate you coming back on because there's a lot more we can talk about.
1: Anytime. And what fun uh, that you went on that trip.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great holiday, sir.
1: All right. Same for you.
0: Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 that was fun thank you rich i really appreciate it I, i'm going to be appreciative for a long time I gosh anyway boy that was fun wasn't it guys who saw that coming tomorrow we're going to go to scotland well not really to scotland but my guest went to scotland he's a ghost hunter from hollywood and he got the chance to go do some ghost investigations in scotland and so he's going to share some of those stories with us and i can tell you i was over in england for a while and the ghosts over there have interesting backstories, I'll tell you. You know, and it's and some of them, you know, there's not very, very happy ones over there. I don't know what the deal is. I think there's a lot of sadness in their history. But we're going to be back tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. Pacific, the usual time, talking with Rich McKen- with, with Rick, another Rick. See, it's Rich, Rich, Rick. All week we got Rich and Rick's. Rick McCallum is going to be with us tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. to talk about that. Okay? Now, Friday, we're going to do a special show. Nancy and I are going to do our regular show at 6.30 p.m. Pacific. But we are going to go on the road, all right? And like I've I've been telling everybody for months now, I'm going to Disneyland at the end of the month. And um, there's a lot of people that broadcast live from Disneyland on TikTok. Well, I don't have enough followers on TikTok. So I'm going to do it through StreamYard so I can be on YouTube and Facebook at the same time. So I'll let you guys know the times for those, but be on the lookout because I'm going to take you through Disneyland. We're going to talk about some of the haunted history at Disneyland, the ghosties that haunt there, or allegedly haunt there. We'll say allegedly. I don't want Disney, I don't want Disney police in my face. So allegedly haunt there. We're going to go on the rides. I'm going to eat at Disneyland. You're, you're, you're going to get the whole experience, right? I'm going to talk to Mickey and, and Minnie and all that, you know. And we're going to have we're going to have a gen, gen, genuine good time together. And We're going to be there for four days. So you're going to get four days to be live at Disneyland. So uh, be on the lookout for that. But Friday, they're leading up to this. Whoop, shifting back in. Leading up to Friday at Disneyland. Uh, not Disneyland. We are going to take StreamYard. And we, we, we did a test run of this Sunday night. And it worked out pretty well. We're gonna take Streamyard out, and we're gonna to go to the what they call the fabulous 40s here in Sacramento, where all the really cool older mansions are, or what used to be considered mansions back, you know, during, during the Depression. We're gonna be out there, and we're gonna be looking at the Christmas lights because they go all out for Christmas. So we're gonna go cover that for you guys, and it's gonna be live out, <laughs> live in my car, Christmas carols, all that stuff going. And we're going to go up one way and down the other on each one of these streets so you can see the light displays. So that's what we're going to be doing Friday night. And that's going to be after we do the main show. So that means around 830, 835 p.m. Pacific. We're going to be out there probably for a couple hours driving up and down and checking out the Christmas lights. So it's a special event that we're going to be doing. It's a freebie. It's always a freebie, but it's a freebie. So you can check us out. All right. So it's going to be on Facebook and YouTube. All right. Okay. Now. If you're watching from Facebook and you like today's show, and I know we had some trouble with Facebook tonight, okay? So I'm going to have to put an announcement over on over on the Facebook page. I have no choice. So I'll put the announcement out, letting everybody know that they have to go to YouTube to see the show. But if you're hearing this and you're one of my regular Facebook people and you like what you see, you know, hit that like button and the follow button. But if you end up watching from YouTube tonight and you like what you see, let me get over here. Point the finger. Whoop, there we are. Beep. Okay. There's the ghosty. Hit that ghosty. Not hit it literally, because you'll ruin your phone and your computer screen. But punch the little button on that ghosty, and the subscribe button will come up for YouTube. Okay. We're two away from a from a total landmark at, at at YouTube for us. Okay. Also, if you liked it, hit the like button and all that good stuff. Okay. Anyway, Sam done. I shut up now. If you like the show. Share it with five people. If you hated the show, share it with five of your enemies. We are equal opportunity here at California Haunts Radio. Also, again, I told you those pages. You can find us at Facebook. You can find us at YouTube. You can find us at Twitter. You can find us at Twitch. You can find us on TikTok. On TikTok, we're California Haunts, all lowercase. On YouTube, we're California California Haunts Radio or California Haunts, easiest way to find us. Is youtube.com forward slash at California Haunts Radio. And the C and the H and the R are capitalized. So that's the easiest way to get to us. Our, our website for the radio show is undergoing maintenance right now, so it's down. So that's not existed at this point. Until next week sometime. But Facebook, we're California Haunts, or it's under my first name. Instagram, you can find us. It's under ghosty Gal, all lowercase. So you're trying to remember these things. Twitter, we're Cal Haunts. See, I have notes on the wall here to remind me. That's why I keep looking over here because everything's there because I forget things. But anyway, that's how you can find us. You can find us everywhere. All right. So I want to thank you all for coming tonight. Today, I really appreciate it. I, I, I want to thank Richard. I'm going to send him an email as soon as I get off the air here because what he did was fantastic. Didn't see that coming. And that's terrific. All right. So you see that thing running along the bottom of the page. And that's because... We don't take any money to investigate or anything like that. So we totally support California Haunts Radio and the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team on donations. And if something breaks, you know, equipment or something, it comes out of my pocket because I'm uh, I'm the head Joe and bottle washer and all that. So if you could find it in your heart to help me out a little bit to make the bills and make sure everything keeps running and keep bringing these guests in, that would be great. PayPal.com at California Haunts. If you're not uh, comfortable with PayPal, um, Venmo. We have a Venmo, and that's Venmo at California Haunts. But again, I want to thank everybody for coming, and I'm going to give you Rich's information so you can check his stuff out. And I, he's he's written a lot of books, but I have uh, I have uh, four of his books listed here, so you can check those out at at Amazon. So here we go. Okay, websites. Your heart. <laughs> e- <laughs> e- your heart on plant. Well, anyway, that went fast. So I'll, I'll play them again, guys. Give me a second. Videos, hacking the afterlife film flip side, a journey into the afterlife. Your heart's Electra books. You've got further adventures in the flip side. It's a wonderful afterlife. Volume one. You've got the, uh, the divine council, a tourist guide on how to navigate the afterlife. And you've got, it's a wonderful afterlife volume two. And of course you can get those at Amazon. And so let's go back over since I missed and blew it. Uh, Let me go back over. I want to stop this here. And then we're going to go back over. Whoa. Come on. Help me out here. Okay. Websites. EarheartSaiPan.com. HackingTheAfterlife.com. FlipSideTheBook.com. MartiniZone.com. And then there's RichMartini.com. Okay. We got that now. So the video is Hacking the Afterlife film. And you've got the flip side, A Journey into the Afterlife, and EarheartSaiPan. Okay, all right. Since we already went over the books, I'm done. And I will see you tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. Pacific. Have a great night, and hopefully StreamYard gets Facebook fixed because I noticed earlier today Facebook was having issues with Messenger, and so it finally took a dump with StreamYard this evening midway through the show. So I will see you guys tomorrow, 6.30 p.m. Pacific. Have a nice night.